3: Welcome back to Set the Tape Rewind with your host Tony Black for this fortnightly chunk of movie and telly news and discussion. Regular guest Steve Norman joins me alongside Set the Tape writer and podcaster Lee Hutchison as we talk Danny Boyle's possible new gig as the Bond 25 director and Lee gives us an update on his attendance at the Glasgow Film Festival his reviews of which you can find on setthetape.com TV-wise, we get into the Marvel Netflix universe as we talk Jessica Jones' second season and touch on a classic in Babylon 5, celebrating its 25th anniversary. But in the end, we're more fixated on how it used to be a double bill in the 90s on Channel 4 with Italian football. Finally, in our free play section, we do some shameless self-promotion by introducing my new Set the Take podcast network show, Cinema Obscura. So without further ado, on with the show. Right, so we're starting off with our uh, film section, as we always do, on uh, Set the Tape Rewind. And uh, we've got a couple of um, little bits of info about the uh, Glasgow Film Festival coming up from uh, Lee, our guest, um, at the end. Which ties into uh, information and and articles on um, setthetape.com. But before that, this week, uh, amongst uh, all the film news going on, there's been a bit of Bond chatter, actually. And Bond chatter is very much in fits and dabs, you know um but this week we might might have a director in Danny Boyle and i say might because all the all the newspapers and all social media are going Danny Boyle is the next Bond director is that no he might be <laughs> so let's go with when, it is not definite yet eon productions have not put out a statement nobody said yes definitely but it might be Danny Boyle so as a scott lee what do you what do you think about this
0: um, well, I think everyone always forgets. Like da- Danny Boyle, always seems to be associated as Scottish. He's quite, he's a bit of an English gentleman that has uh, dabbled in kind of a few Scottish films. I-, I could be wrong, but I think he's one of you guys. I think he's a Brummie. Do you know? Um, do you know?
3: Is he? Because I've always been convinced he's Scottish. Probably yeah. because he makes like Train Spotting and all these things.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a Brummie. So, right. but like right. as a Scottish guy, um, yeah, like his work on Train Spotting, one, two. You know, even if you just take them, I think make him an excellent candidate for Bond. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of Danny Boyle. Sunshine's a fantastic movie, and I, I, I saw an argument the other day going, oh, they're just going for another kind of Oscar-winning director, you know, kind of trying to fit in that vein of Sam Mendes, and it's like what well, kind of the movie that he won an Oscar for is completely unlike anything else he's ever made and I wouldn't even look at that kind of movie and thinking he would apply that template to Bond I think you you look at Danny Boyle and you couldn't really pigeonhole him as a director you know, this is the guy who can go from making a movie like Millions One Day to Spot and Two, to Sunshine, to uh, you know so many other things. So I, I'm I'm really excited by this. Um, I did meet him briefly last year, kind of in Scotland uh, when they were filming *Trainspotting* too. Um, and at that time, I was wearing one of those James Bond Bond Barbara jackets. So <laughs> I feel like it, destiny was written in the stars yeah. that day.
3: It was at that point you went, you know what, that guy, he's my inspiration. I'm going to make a Bond movie. That was it. Just just use that now. That that can be, you know, that can be. You can say it was all
0: because of you if he gets the job and it's amazing how like I don't know what maybe it's me but I always feel people seem to have short term memories that among kind of us you know movie fans stuff we can go Well oh, Danny Boyle's directed one of the most iconic James Bond moments his appearance in the Olympics people seem to kind of forget that when they talk about these pieces about Danny Boyle potentially being the next uh, James Bond director so I think it's, it's one of these ones that seems perfectly logical to me much like um, kind of uh, when Sam Mendes had worked with uh, Daniel Craig on Road to Perdition. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Daniel Craig himself has really kind of pushed the boat out for for Danny Boyle to be involved. It seems like Craig in a kind of producer role is probably going to be kind of the one championing this one, picking it out.
3: Yeah, yeah, possibly. I think he just wants, like, more, you know, Bond and the Queen parachuting out of a, <laughs> out of a helicopter. I mean, Steve... What, what do you think? I mean, I I, I, may, I ask you this every time we have some kind of like major franchise, whether it's Star Trek or whatever. But are you a Bond guy? Because I can't no, remember. No,
2: Danny Boyle born in uh, Radcliffe. Out of uh, just out of interest, there. Quick. Oh right, where's that? Greater Greater Manchester. So uh, a quick a quick Google uh, solve that. No, I I don't get Bond at all. Um, I've never got it from. I mean, I'm. Age-wise, Pierce Brosnan's the first one I can remember, but I've seen work of the, the previous ones, and I like Danny Boyle a lot, but just Bond, I don't get it, and if if we're going to have Bond, I want Bond going to the moon, I want, I want <laughs> stupid old, you know, Roger Moore camp over the top, uh, ridiculous Bond, rather than what is just essentially a... By numbers, spy thriller, which is what the most the, the Daniel Craig Bonds have been really. Some better than others. I don't get why people go mad over Bond, especially the newer ones. They're just a bit. I Are mean, they not bad? They're not bad. I've I've sat in a cinema and watched worse things than, than a Bond film, but I just don't get the 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 big deal about them. They're just not that great. They're not that original. They're not
3: that cool. I, th- I think I think as the thing is though, a lot of people are gonna assume that Danny Boyle is gonna make a very sort of probably dark kind of bond again. You know, like like they had with something like Skyfall, which was which went back into like sort of a dark place, or even Quantum of Solace. I think they're gonna think he's gonna make that. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure because I think they we know they had a script by Purvis and Wade, who are their normal writers they have been for twenty odd years. Which more than likely was going to sort of carry on the Blofeld thing from Spectre, but Christoph Waltz seems to have backed away from the role. I think a few people have changed there. You know, it's been a bit; they've been a bit lukewarm on carrying that on. And then these guys have come in. So Boyle apparently is coming with John Hodge's writer, and presumably with Daniel Craig's backing. I think he, he, that is the case. And I've got this idea for Daniel Craig's final film. Now that makes me kind of think. Well, what have they thought of? Well, I, I think they're going to go in a very different direction from Spectre. So it might not be as over the top, of spectre. I can't see the moon factory in, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, shallow Bond grave.
0: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think, I think it's, I think it might be surprising. I think it will be exciting. I I, can, I have always seemed to have associated Dan, uh, Danny Boyle as always being linked with Bond, really since the nineties. So it doesn't feel like kind of too big a surprise to see him kind of stepping up to the the plate at long last. When you hear someone like Danny Boyle, you think, yep, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I think. Danny Boyle will be a traditional kind of Bond director perhaps. I think the plot he'll go with will be perhaps by numbers but in a very exciting way. I see Danny Boyle as being someone that's probably had I like probably similar to Christopher Nolan in a way. They've always they've grown up in that era of the big Bond movies and they've probably got an idea In their head, it's crystal clear, and the opportunity to now make one and create one is right there for him. And I, I can see him when someone goes, right, what's your idea? And he could probably paint it, illustrate it to to the producers and cast really well. So I'm, I'm quite excited to see what they bring up. I want to see what could be a kind of lifetime dream for them, you know, brought to reality. Yeah, yeah. We'll,
3: we'll see if they, if they get the gig, because uh, obviously, as we say, we don't know for sure yet if. If they're definitely doing it. and uh, But uh, we might get an announcement soon. So, you know, um, stay tuned um, because we might talk about it again. But uh, speaking of films, obviously, Lee, you've been at the Glasgow Film Festival um, this last month and you've done some reviews, um, which you can find on uh, com. But briefly, do you want to tell us what that was like and also give us uh, your favourite film experience of the festival?
0: yeah I'm a bit of a regular at kind of film festivals so um, yeah I was excited to cover it for for a a website I work for and and set the tape so yeah it was an exciting kind of mix of films as always Um, they opened with Isle of Dogs and as a Wes Anderson fanboy, that was a particularly exciting moment I think we got it like just three days after the Berlin Film Festival so that was like a particular joy and um, there was a few mixed bags uh, for me there were some movies that were somewhat disappointing or a bit poor but there there's some cracking movies like Blew My Mind, uh, Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here which has got a wide release as so we're kind of talking and um, Lucky, the final film from Harry Dean Stanton was perfect. Foxtrot was, you know, definitely one of the best films of the year for me. A, a wonderful Israeli movie about grief, the road to death and uh, dancing in the desert. So that was particularly exciting. And Columbus, which would I could think would be a very modern day before sunset movie, all about someone, you know, kind of walking around the town of Columbus, which has beautiful architecture and reflecting on love, loss and uh, grief as well. So, yeah, it was a, a really exciting mix of a festival. So, yeah, it's a good way to kick off the, the festival season really kind of here up in, in Scotland.
3: That's good because
0: we, we don't get festivals in Birmingham, And, you know,
3: Steve, are there any festivals, film festivals knocking about by you?
2: There is actually, but it's not kind of one where you're going to get a lot of like new films or indie films or anything like that. You get a few outdoor screenings
0: in an old castle. (laughs) That's all right.
3: (laughs) Cinema in a castle. That's not bad.
0: We had it like last, a couple years ago, we had a a Wrath of Cannes screening at Linlithgow Castle, quite nearby uh, Edinburgh. To mark the you know an anniversary or of uh, Scotty from Star Trek's death, so that was something <laughs> quite exciting. Uh, unfortunately, I missed out on tickets for that one. But like the Glasgow Film Festival is it's only in its sixteenth year, so it's still kind of a, a growing festival. It, it it doesn't kind of compare with the the kind of juggernaut that is the Edinburgh Film Festival, which I'll be be kind of doing press for in a, a good few months' time. So things like that, that's just an industrial you know amazing like 71 year it's the longest running film festival as well so it kind of Glasgow is always somewhat in Edinburgh's you know shadow when it comes to festival and cultural events but I think uh, the Glasgow festival continues to grow and you know the success of bringing in things like Isle of Dogs continues to show it's its attracts you know big filmmakers to, to show their movies here
3: yeah, and still some pretty good films. You know, you've, you've rattled through there as well so by big filmmakers. So, uh, yeah, check out um, Lee's Reviews um, from uh, the Glasgow Film Festival on um, com.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
3: TV then, and uh, we there's always tons of TV. You know, we there's there's too much TV if we're honest. But this month, the uh, the main big hitter that's come back um, on Netflix is uh, the latest Netflix Marvel show, Jessica Jones season two. Now I'm I'm not I have not watched all of it yet, but I'm getting there. But before I talk about it, have either of you guys seen? any Jessica Jones?
2: No. No. I've not really watched much Marvel TV stuff. I watched the first two seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then gave up on it. And I watched the first season of Daredevil and never carried on with it.
0: And that's been it, really.
3: Does anyone watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore? I watched
0: the... I started the first season and then I dipped back in after the Captain America fallout. Section mm. in the first season, but I've never watched it. Like at one point, I noticed it was on its like hundredth episode. I was like, "How Jesus. did this happen?" Yeah, it's unbelievable. How so has that um, I know. So <laughs> I mean, I'm the same. I I, I kind of got the first six episodes of Daredevil when that came out, and I thought, "Oh man." This is really enjoyable. I'm really liking this, and then I somehow never finished it. And then I was like, well, I can't really start these other ones until I finish Daredevil, which I have not even got on the horizon of getting around to watching. So uh, I'll get back to you about Jessica Jones in about five years. <laughs> there's so
2: much Marvel TV. No, no, isn't there? I mean, yeah, the the movies is a lot, but at least there's a couple of year you can you got to commit to. But I mean, if you got you've got all four of the Defenders plus the Defenders. Punisher, Agents of Shield, and is there not another one that I'm missing? I think is is it Black Lightning? There's a new one. I that's, think it's come out. I think that's DC. Oh, oh, is it? Because there's oh. a lot of DC ones, isn't there? As well, TV yeah. shows like Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Agents of Tomorrow, uh, Black Lightning, and I think again, I think there's another one as well. Oh mm. there's Gotham. There's what... Gotham, which is separate, Gotham. isn't it? It's not part of that DC new no. U- TV yeah. universe, but it's still a DC comic book TV show. So there's so much comic book TV. Yeah, I can barely keep up with the movies sometimes, let alone the no. let alone the TV show, So it's something that's just kind
3: of passed me by, really. It, it's it's a problem, really. I mean, at least with the Netflix Marvel stuff, they're not like 20 i mean the, the dc ones are still doing 20 24 episodes like a season and in the old traditional network modeling like, jesus christ i mean the thought of starting the Arrowverse with those four shows now i'm like i haven't got time to watch i did 300 episodes of telling I you know start I just don't with arrow
2: when it was the only one they had going and, it, and that was that was all right when i watched the first season of it but again it's it's one where not out of disliking the show but out of whatever when it's only being shown weekly you kind of lose track of and you think i can't get back into it now it's too far
3: gone this is it and and that one of the things that put me off you know but with at least with the marvel netflix ones they're only i say only they're only 13 episodes a pop and you get about two or three a year so this year we've got jessica jones season two luke cage season two and i think i think that might be it and then next year you'll get Iron Fist season two, uh, uh, which nobody wants, but they're going to do it anyway. And then the, probably the Punisher season two. Oh, you might get da- Daredevil season three actually this year as well. So, but the, the problem, the problem is, and I will be writing about this at some point. The problem is that they don't, sh- they shouldn't be thirteen. No, almost none of them deserve to be thirteen. Really, the, the only, the only, the, the best ones for me. Season one of Jessica Jones was great because it had probably one of the best villains in the entire Marvel Universe, which was David Tennant as Killgrave, who was this mind-controlling abuser, basically. And he was like it, it, just a brilliant performance. Re- great villain, really good story. And The Punisher was really good as well, on the whole. Right, 13 episodes of just action-packed excellence. But most of the rest of it has either been... Fair to middling, or just bad. Like, Iron Fist was just bad. The second half of Daredevil Season 2 was just bad, you know. The de- the Defenders was alright. Not as bad as people have said. But Jessica Jones Season 2 has had a re- really slow start. I'm I'm five in, and it's taking me a while. It's starting to pick up now. But it just feels like with these Marvel shows that they... I don't know if they're oversaturated. I don't know if it's that. But it's more that it feels like they've got too much freedom. Oddly enough, you know, when when you compare it to a show like Game of Thrones, where arguably deserves it needs like twenty episodes a season to properly do it justice. Half the time, thirteen episodes of this. There are certain episodes you're sitting there thinking, "Oh my god, when is this going to end?" It's a problem. It's a problem with if
2: with it's a problem that falls about from Netflix and Amazon Prime, isn't it? You can spam those with as much rubbish as you like, or good content, because Netflix has got some good content. I've only just got access to Amazon Prime, so I've not really had a chance to look at what they're doing yet <clears throat> in terms of original content. But Netflix do have good stuff, they do have bad stuff, but they can just put as much of what they want on there. Um you know, It's not like it's it's just traditional TV channels, whereas... Yeah, you know, we got we got Wednesday night at nine o'clock to fill. Well, that's what's going on there. And if it doesn't work, then we'll put something Kelsey that slot instead. Netflix can just put anything up, good, bad, or whatever, and it doesn't really
3: take up any anyone else's space. And that's that can be part of the problem, really, with this. And it's, it's so Jessica Jones season two is he's, he's okay, but it's not as good as the first season. I just feel like oh, I, I, you know, I, I can take or leave. Some of it, really. And I love comic book stuff. I love all the Marvel movies, pretty much most of them. You know, I'm really invested in all that. Uh, but I don't know. Something about this this TV universe that just doesn't, most of the time, it doesn't fire me up with excitement. And I, I can't put my finger on it, really. But but it's out there. And we do have a a, uh, a look back at this first season of Jessica Jones on setthetape.com um, by one of our writers, Eamon Hennedy. So uh, go and seek that out because it's a good Uh, Look back on Season 1 if you've got Season 2 yet to come. Speaking of articles, uh, we've also had, over this month, some great pieces from Baz Greenland uh, on the website about Babylon 5, classic 90s sci-fi here. Now, this this is a show, obviously, that did have 20-odd episodes a season for five seasons back in the 90s. And Baz has been doing a retrospective look at all the seasons, the spin-off show, the movies, uh, for its 25th anniversary. Um, So it's been a quarter of a century since Babylon 5 came on air. Now, I was a big fan of this back in the 90s. I don't know about you guys i love this show and i still do
0: i prefer i watch deep space nine uh yeah, babylon rival. five yeah babylon five was something i never quite clicked with and uh, over the kind of past few years people have been kind of telling me oh you need to check it out You need to check it out but it's almost like i find it difficult to you know fit in the time for these sorts of 25 season shows you know especially even it's deep diving back in you know committing right I'm going to watch 100 episodes of this kind of other TV show and it's just so difficult and I think like Babylon 5 is there's no kind of Netflix or Amazon presence and you know the, the DVDs I can't really see on any kind of shelves or anything like that so it becomes one of those ones that even the temptation to dive in is almost non-existent but I can see from people that are fans of it that they truly love it and it's this show that seems to have really connected with people I mean as a kid I was sometimes tempted if I ever saw a, a show or a movie that had a Star Trek actor in it, um, I would definitely check out. And, you know, it certainly got Star Trek alumni appear on that. So, it was, But it was one of those shows, I don't even recall much of a, a presence on kind of terrestrial or cable TV in the 90s. So it seems like kind of one of those shows that if you were watching it, boy, you're lucky. And if not, you've kind of missed out. It never seems to have had much of a, a cult presence, perhaps, anything more than a cult presence in the UK.
3: I, I used to watch it in a, genuinely, and Steve will appreciate this, in a double bill on a Sunday afternoon on Channel 4 with uh, Gazetta Italia <laughs> in, the, in the 90s. It used to be on, it used to be on, on like th- something like, I don't know, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, immediately afterwards it'd be Gazzetta, Gazzetta See, I, and it would be Gazetta Italia. I
2: would have thought Babylon 5 would have come after Gazetta, because I remember Gazetta, I don't remember... Babylon 5, because I was always playing football on a Sunday afternoon because kids' football was well, a Sunday afternoon. So, you might be right,
3: actually. So, might be, so
2: that might would be make probably, sense. Because I, I remember
0: a, Gazetta being like an early morning thing, like, early. they had
2: Gazetta on the Saturday, which was like the magazine show, um, like the highlights, packages, and that everything. And on the Sunday, sort of late morning, early afternoon, like lunchtime, they'd have um, a live Serie A match on Channel 4.
3: Maybe that's what I'm thinking of then. Because I, I think it was on a Sunday yeah. when Babylon 5 was on. So I'd definitely yeah, seen most of the, st-
2: the match, but Babylon 5, I don't remember. But I was playing football in the <laughs> afternoon. I remember Babylon Zoo more I remember Babylon 5. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Babylon Zoo song? Space Man. The yeah, Space Man. Which, fit, which, which fits quite apt with Babylon 5. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it does. It does. I, I mean, mean anyone born. In it. Any, anyone born sort of after. Probably two thousand listening to this will not have a clue what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, all completely. of all of this d- last five it minutes will just be completely wasted on them.
0: <laughs> They'll just know James Richardson is the guy who does puns on the Guardian football yeah. podcast. They won't know him as truly and uh, in his prime. A coffee connoisseur yeah, it's, it's, and yeah. <laughs> it's sad.
3: But what they, you know, we it's just I really I genuinely I don't mean this sound patronising, but I genuinely feel sorry for people who didn't grow up in the nineties. Because it was great. There were so many great oh, yes. things on. You know, I mean, I'm not. I haven't even mentioned Eurotrash. Not that that was on at the same time. <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? It's just that it's just uniquely 90s, and especially
0: Channel Four. Channel Four was amazing. Oh, Stuff yeah. to have on. Um, Friends and Fraser on a Saturday yeah. night, and uh, sorry, Friday night. Yeah. yeah, glorious. Anyway, we're getting way off
2: topic.
3: Babylon Five. Anyway,
0: Steve, did you watch it?
2: No, I no. Um, I I can't remember Babylon Five at all. I remember, you know, I remember it being a thing.
3: I can't remember watching any of it ever. It was niche. Don't get me wrong; I mean, it never had, it never had the popular appeal of something like Deep Space Nine, you know, or the X Files at the time, or anything like that. You know, what it, it was niche. It was, it was only on British TV, as I say, on Channel Four, and it got be- successively buried as it got into its later seasons. So you. You kind of did have to. I think it might have been on Bravo or something like that as well on cable. But um, back in the day, but yeah, it was, it was buried and it was odd. It was odd. I mean, it, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it is one of the great '90s TV shows that sort of set the bar for a lot of the serialized storytelling, not just in science fiction but in television anyway. I mean, the guy who made it, J. Michael Straczynski, I, 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 he's, he, he wrote entire seasons of that himself. You know, it's it's been described as a novel for television. And it is a unique achievement by a showrunner in that he wrote almost all of it, which is phenomenal given it's like 100 episodes. And he plotted it all out with incredible... You know, the world building in that is amazing. It is a really, really great show. It is dated. It is cheesy in places. Uh, The special effects leave something to be desired but it's worth going back and looking at if you haven't whatever watched it because some of the storytelling in it is marvelous and some of the some of the characters and some of the character arcs are just brilliant. So yeah, go and look it up and if you know, if you want a little bit of a taster, a dip in, check out Bazzy's um articles on setthetape.com. Um for an entree and then go and, going and you can get the DVD's really quick really cheap on Amazon now. Um sadly it's not really on streaming. You can buy it on like Apple t- Apple and all that kind of stuff, but Yeah, you can get them cheap, so look them up. Alright, so free play, finally. Normally we talk about something else media-wise, but we're going to do a shameless plug here this week, because we finally have the first Set the Tape Podcast Network spin-off, say spin-off, sort of other podcast that's launched. And no, it's not Steve's Lost podcast, which is, uh, I think we can all agree, pretty tragic.
2: That'll happen.
3: <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the Dream Team one that I'm most disappointed
2: about because the, the biggest. Oh, what a show that the was. The biggest problem is, I, I have. The thing is, I have contacts where I can actually interview and speak, get hold of former cast members. That's not a problem. I can See if you get Fletch, I will have nothing the, but respect the, for the you. Prob- what a <laughs> problem that I have is, I can't find any copies of the episodes to watch. They're they're what, just obscure. They've never got a DVD released. They're not on on demand anywhere. Without <laughs> prizing the, I don't know. Without doing some kind of Mission Impossible style raid on Sky headquarters, if they haven't wiped the tapes, <laughs> I've no way of actually viewing Dream Team. It's tragic. Yeah, but they're are two that I have in mind that will happen at one at some point. I just need to. I mean, the lost ones a lot easier because it's it's readily available.
3: Which is ironic. Yes. You know, <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Dream team, is, dream team is lost, and, and lost is, is the dream <laughs> podcast um, or something. But yeah, they'll, 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 alert, ha- they'll yeah. happen. But let's let's talk about podcasts that actually have
3: happened. Yeah, well, well, until, until yeah, until we get the good stuff. You know, for now, we've got uh, the uh, the newest show, which is called Cinema Obscura, which is my film show. I've 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 dabbled in film podcasting before. I won't go into all the boring details, but I've done a couple in the past. Um, both of which kind of got me started into this whole podcasting lark, and I, I, you know, I'm I'm proud of what they did in their own way, but they were, you know, a little bit in the past now. So I wanted to do something new, and I, I've taken a big cue from the Projection Booth podcast, which is one of the best film podcasts, if mm. not the best film podcast on the web. It's incredible, ran by a guy called Mike White, who is my guest on the first episode of Cinema Obscura, which is the the new show, uh, which is great, talking about Duel with me, the Steven Spielberg's first ever movie, and on varying different days my favorite film ever you know I I alternate between about three or four but Duel is just an amazing film and I will champion it to the ends of the earth so the first episode of Cinema Obscura is now online Lee and I are going to be recording soon after we've finished this recording an episode it's it's going to be one film an episode that we're talking about and going into detail talking about the production and things like that and um the idea is to try and pick out... We're going to do some famous films, you know. We're going to do things like Singing in the Rain and Fight Club, which we've already recorded. But we're also going to try and pick out some hidden gems out there. Let's let's reveal it, Lee. Because I asked you, didn't I? You're a good example. I said, you know, yeah. come on the show, pick a film, and will we'll talk about it. So what did you go for? And this is going to be the second episode. So this will be the next uh, one. I went
0: for Noah Bombbanks uh, debut movie, Kicking and Screaming. Not the one that's got Will Farrell teaching young kids how to play football, <laughs> but about a but a very much a mumblecore movie of the 90s. Yeah, so really different from
3: like Spielberg's tense Chase thriller <laughs> through like the American yeah. desert, but yeah, it's really interesting. You know, film that not everyone will necessarily have heard of or watched. So you know, it's gonna it's gonna be fun getting into that. So, Steve, I, th- I am gonna I am gonna ask you to come on. Off the top of your head, what would you pick? What would your obscure film be?
2: Obscure films. Good question. It's so obscure. I can't think of it off the top of
3: my head. You throw me, throw me a curveball there. I, I, I have put you on the spot here because this wasn't in the plan. Of what no. <laughs> we were going to record.
2: No, I mean what, what classes of classes
3: as obscure? Well, as something you don't think many people will have seen necessarily. Mm.
2: That would take a bit of thinking. I think off the top of my head, looking at the DVD shelf in front of me, the replacements. The American football film starring Keanu Reeves. Oh
3: yeah, I haven't seen that. So, that, that yeah.
2: there's looking at the DVD shelf in front of me at the moment,
3: uh, mm. that would be the most obvious pick from that. All right, nice save yes. there. You, you, you did that well. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I think I thought a good one for you would be Mike Bassett, England manager. See, I
2: don't know how obscure that is though, because a lot of people of probably our age will have seen that.
3: Probably, but I just want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Basically, I'll quite happily talk about it with you all day because I, think I it, love I that think film. It's a great film. I think it's a great film. I
2: think it's it's. I think a lot of people would look at Mike Bass, England manager, and think it's without actually watching it. Think it's lowest common denominator um, <laughs> comedy. When I think it actually sends up. Um, yeah, it does sends up football and British football quite well, and it's a really good parody of uh,
3: yeah. the Impossible Job, the Graham Taylor documentary as well see you've you've 've you've already've you've, i didn't even know that so yeah you've got to come on for that one so <laughs> that and the replacements yes. but yeah we'll come we'll come back to this you can th- think of it think of an obscure film, and you know guys if you if you 've got any ideas for obscure films that um that I could cover on that with guests because it's going to be uh, different guests each week and hopefully people popping back on and off you know let's know let 's know at um, our, our twitter at set the tape um on twitter or on facebook and you know shout out some films that you think would you'd like to hear cinema obscura cover so that's going to be on the same feed the same podcast feed as the actual main podcast this one uh set the take rewind so if you're subscribing to this then you're also going to get cinema obscura every so often it's not going to be weekly not at this stage i've got too many fingers and too many pies but it will be every uh hopefully a couple of times a month. Or at least once a month, right now. So there will be some uh, interesting film chats. As I say, we've got Singing in the Rain uh, coming up. We've got Fight Club as well. We've got Kicking and Screaming. We've got a bunch more on the uh, on the drawing board. So yeah, hopefully it'll be it'll be fun until we get um, Dream Team. Uh, until we manage to get those out. We, we, this has got to be, I think, a, a, a mission now. I've set the tape to get the Dream Team episodes. Yeah, if
2: anyone so, if anyone out there knows how I can uh, preferably legally but i will look at other means as well i'm not i'm not you know if it's not readily available legally i will dip into the murky markets of uh black market dream team episodes but yeah if anyone out there knows how i can actually see them without paying a ridiculous amount of money because some guy does sell them on ebay for like 20 pound a series i'm like no wow blimey it's like 200 quid for the lot no mate yeah. no not having it <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah cheaply or freely and preferably legally if you can let me know how I can sit watch Dream Team to do this podcast that everyone will love then uh, let me know
3: right your mission guys should you choose to accept it he's on also if, if you played Fletch get in touch <laughs> another week then another podcast thanks to our guests this week and thanks to you for listening You can find the show on iTunes, so please do leave us a five-star review or just come and have a chat with us on Twitter at SetTheTape or on Facebook if you type in SetTheTape. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, so we'll hopefully see you then.